This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670, The Score, and Odyssey Station. And we're back on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Big weekend here with the Tour Championship uh, in Atlanta. We have the FedEx Cup playoffs to be decided and a big Ryder Cup discussion coming up now as we head on out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And there we find the CDGA's Senior Director of Business Development and a former Ryder Cup Tournament Director, Mike Gilligan, joins us on the scorecard. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Mike. It's great to, uh, it's great to talk to a, a veteran Ryder Cupper. Uh, and tournament director. I don't think people have any idea what uh, what tournament directors do. Um, it's crazy. You said in your column in the uh, CDGA magazine uh, this month about you know all the, everything from portalettes to the whole TV network uh, situation. So uh, it's really great to talk to somebody that has a, a, a complete understanding. And of course, you have the golf understanding too, with all your uh, knowledge in there. So, Mike. Uh, we're 20 days away now from the Ryder Cup starting up at Whistling Straits uh, in uh, Kohler, Wisconsin. Um, the uh, the uh, FedEx Cup, two FedEx Cup events that we've had uh, have been very exciting. Both playoffs just mind-blowing, especially last Saturday uh, with Cantlay and DeChambeau. So, um, but you said in your column in the uh, in CDGA magazine that the Ryder Cup is golf's greatest sporting event. Um, you were the tournament director in '91, '95, and '99. What makes you say that? Well, Barry, um, first and foremost, I have lived what I call maybe a charmed or blessed life to be able to have those experiences. Um, and what makes it exactly what you described is it takes on a different 
means of uh, of the day, it, meaning that a stroke play, a major championship, a U.S. Open, PGA Championship, spans 150 golfers. This becomes more of a sporting event, and I often compare it to just like a big college football game or a big you know NFL football game because in this particular event, if you are saying, oh, we'll just go on out and we'll catch them maybe on the back nine or we'll see the field going off. This thing starts in the morning. It, it means that everybody is trying to park their car, get on the bus, and get to the venue before that first ball is hit or a proverbial kickoff. And that provides a whole set of logistics for tournament directors, if you will, the planners, Um because you're also battling a little bit of the sunlight issue now as you get deeper into September. So people are literally arriving in the dark and going home in the dark often mm. with this event. And, you know, from a concession perspective, you know, the whole world kind of comes through your part of the golf course and then ultimately disappears for a while. But as this event has grown in popularity, um, People have learned to sort of just camp out at a hole, and the PGA has brought in, you know, big screen TVs, and that's how the evolution of this thing started in the mid-90s. And, and Mike, um, I just, you know, you look on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you see up there right now at, at Kohler, they have built this unbelievable grandstand, like you said, behind the first tee in order to accommodate those tens of thousands of people. I mean, they'll have... They'll have 40,000 out there right every day. So you've got to build these these uh, uh, bleachers, et cetera, to accommodate uh, just the average fan who's out there, much less the corporate tents and everything. So, yeah, I agree with you. And plus you've got, instead of 156 players, you have 12 versus 12. And it's U.S. versus Europe, and there's a lot of national pride involved, of course. Well, and to that point, though, yeah, it's 12 versus 12. But Friday morning... It's only four matches. There's only eight players in. There's four guys sitting on the bench. So this thing is really happening over, you know, three and a half, four holes. Um, So, you know, you have a lot of people trying to catch a glimpse or a view. And and to your point about the the massive grandstands, um, there will be people camping out. And the Europeans bring over a certain flavor of, of singing and song until the players literally get to their part of the golf course but again big screen televisions and um closed circuit headsets will be you know worn by the patrons as they go around and we got so sophisticated that we per- created a european broadcast for those that come over from across the pond and as well as the american broadcast so that they could hear it in their own sort of native way and with the slants that they that the announcers bring to the bring to the dance as well Talking with Mike Gilligan, the CDGA's Senior Director of Business Development and also a former Ryder Cup Tournament Director and talking Ryder Cup with Mike. And, uh, you know, Barry and I have talked on and off on the show, Mike, about just how different the Ryder Cup is. I mean, everyone loves the majors. I personally love the Masters. And, you know, you, you all you get caught up in the spectacle of it. But the Ryder Cup really is a different animal, isn't it? I remember when it was here at Medina a few years back. I mean, it was just fantastic. Oh, my God. It, it was Michigan and, against Ohio State every, yeah. every day. It was unbelievable. No, it, it certainly is. And, it, you know, from a player's perspective, and I've had an opportunity to chat with many of them, they get more anxious, nervous, 
with this event than they do anything during the season because, funny, they're not even playing for any prize money. It, this is the closest thing to true Olympic competition that these guys will see other than maybe perhaps going to the Olympics. But even so, they're representing a team of players to which they don't generally do week to week. And this thing only happens every two years, but every four years in the United States. So as I mentioned in the article, you know, it's one thing to have a bad week and miss the cut where, you know, nobody really notices, but you have a bad Ryder cup week. And let me tell you, the world will remember it and you will too. And then you have to wait and play well enough to earn another spot back on a team to redeem yourself where if you miss the cut this week, well, next week you'll get back at it and make a swing tweak here or there. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Davis Love told a story one time about in 93 when Tom Kite told him that, you know, in the alternate shot that he would be uh, that he would be hitting the ball first. And basically he was so nervous that he ended up going back to three wood. And he said he had to muster up all the muscle memory and all the years of practice to hit that first tee shot at the Belfry in 93. And hmm. He says he doesn't remember it, but somehow he absolutely pured it down the middle, but he doesn't know quite how he did it. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Mike, you were there in 1991, which, of course, really the war by the shore at Kiowa on the ocean course, and a couple of memorable things. You talked about players feeling pressure. Uh, Two players in particular in that event, um, Mark Kalkovecchia, who had a four-up lead on Colin Montgomery, uh, and uh, if you could remember that a little bit, and then also there's Bernard Longer who who missed the uh, the little putt on uh, 18 there uh, against uh, Hale Irwin. Uh, could you could you re- yeah. re- re- refresh the memory of our listeners and some of them who weren't <laughs> even born? God, that was a long time well, ago. You are old, brother. It, it, <laughs> I know I am. That's that's a Bad news doing this interview. I'm revealing my age now. But uh, first and foremost, working at Kiowa might be one of the biggest highlights of my professional career. I did have an opportunity for two years to work side by side. Pete Dye as he developed the ocean course. And again, having the 91 Ryder Cup literally was played during the anniversary of Hugo. And hurricane season is clearly amongst us as, as we witnessed last week with uh, New Orleans. Um, and we battled that in 1999. We got hit with a hurricane and it blew down structures and we had to scramble to get the event ready in time. But, you know, Pete, Pete said that, you know, God basically created the ocean course. He just finished it. And it was really interesting to see how he created the Ryder Cup. And it was like playing in a sandbox. So from the tournament organizer it was really great we could just go ahead and put concessions wherever we wanted and different things because he could just flatten and make things as we were developing a course and he took a lot of what he learned at Kiowa and applied it at Whistling Strait so there are quite a lot of similarities between the two venues but when you talk about Mark Kalkovecchia he had perhaps one of the tougher Sundays in the history of the Ryder Cup he was four up with four to go and it I mean, basically, people were marking that down as a full point, which in this format, a full point means a ton on Sunday. And Mark Kakovecki is a pretty emotional guy, uh, a very passionate guy. And afterwards, he said that he started feeling 
paralysis starting to come over him in his hands. He started to lose feeling. Um, and afterwards, uh, he well, he, he ended up giving away the next four holes. And Johnny Miller uh, described the shot he hit at 17, which is, if you remember from the PGA Championship this past year, it's a big carry over to water to a very protected green. And, and I'm not sure his ball ever got above ankle height, and it went directly down into the into the water and one of the golf riders described it as a sick seagull looking for food. Um, And so he basically gave away the lead and became basically uh, a little, a little unglued, very upset, very emotional. And he needed to be taken away by first aid to calm him down. And later the, the the paramedics and doctors described that what he had was an adrenaline attack. The adrenaline, instead of, helping him in a very positive fashion actually had a, a negative impact to him. And, and it was funny the next day in the Charleston Inquirer, he was quoted as saying that he vowed he'd never play in an, another Ryder cup because the pressure was too great. But thankfully he, he backed off of that. And uh, 11 years later, he got to redeem himself. So that was, I was always yeah. rooting for Mark. And, and Mark was lucky because he had uh, Bernard Longer, poor guy, uh, I, I, it was a, it was the 18th hole of the final against uh, against Hale Irwin. That's exactly right, and you know it, it was a. I'll bet he makes that putt nine times out of ten, and fortunately that day, you know, for us, he missed it, and 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 for us, this was the first. Ryder Cup that was put on national, um, you know, TV, you know, uh, on NBC. Prior to this, the Ryder Cup was always off on some sort of, you know, a cable network like USA Network or or some uh, offshoot cable channel, if you will. Um, but it rivaled against the NFL, and it didn't stand a chance. And and basically, doing part to the Ryder Cup was always won by the United States. So it just seemed like, you know, America's Cup in sailing. But the moment we finally lost it in Muirfield, all of a sudden the Americans in 87 woke up to saying, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, and then the same thing happened in 89. So we came into 91 and, you know, patriotism was running high with Desert Storm just being kicked off earlier in the year. And, you know, we're in the deep south and, you know, uh, all of that, provided the perfect storm, but the ending with Hale Irwin and Bernard Langer, uh, Langer was actually, you know, uh, the best ending we, as American speaking, that is, but for the event, it really triggered this event to be what it is today. And I credit them and, you know, Colin Montgomery, if the Ryder cup were a movie, Monty would be described as the villain as, as, as we look at it from an American perspective. And, he relished in that role, and he was a fantastic Ryder Cup player and a fantastic competitor. Um, and all of them were. They 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 created, you know, what we're about to witness in you know, the next twenty days or thereabouts. Um, it's going to be special, and I, I give a lot of credit to to the guys back in the nineties who, ha- who really has helped establish this. And then, you know, it was funny when I was down in Charleston, you know, when we were first trying to promote the Ryder cup, we had to educate the community at large that this wasn't a horse race or a stock car race, that it was actually a golf event. I mean, we didn't sell out all the tickets and we didn't sell out all the hospitality, but fast forward to 1995, it went from promoting the event 
to managing kind of the greed factor, if you will, and managing such a huge demand. And and, and then 1999, it was absolutely off the charts in Boston. Talking Ryder Cup with Mike Gilligan from the CDGA, former Ryder Cup tournament director. And that's actually right where I was going, Mike, as you were talking about 91. I I was thinking, and I I read your article, which I loved in the CDGA magazine, about 99. You've got young Tiger out there. You mentioned, too, Payne Stewart. uh, Who could forget Payne Stewart? But certainly uh, uh, quite uh, quite a sequence and quite an event there uh, in 1999. It really was. Um, and again, being in the right place at the right time to watch one of the most amazing comebacks in, in Ryder Cup history. And and honestly, I was standing in the media center Saturday night and it was dark out because Saturday went extremely long. Um, the, pull, the, the play was a little slower than what we had anticipated. And being so far in the eastern time zone, you know, again, we weren't blessed with a lot of sunlight like we might be if we were in, say, Ohio. Um So that being said, I was in the media center and Ben Crenshaw waved his finger at the media and said, I've got a good feeling about this. And I thought he was off his rocker um, because (laughs) most of us really thought that, hey, this is going to be a funeral for a friend if you're an American coming out tomorrow. And we're going to come out and support them as, you know, because, you know, you got tickets and all the rest of it. But little did we know when Tom Lehman showed up on the first tee, I'll never forget it. People started singing the national anthem, and he was directing them like, uh, you know, a, a director like of a an conductor. orchestra. Yeah, yeah, like a conductor. And I'll tell you what, right then and there, and they started out like a house on fire and started winning everything. And and when you think, when you talk to some of the players and the meeting that happened Saturday night, the insight there was they felt that they needed to put their best players out first because they figured that the Europeans might put the weakest out first and let's grab that momentum. And that's exactly what happened. Um, And next thing we know, you know, you're given a lot of South Boston and, 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 and New Englanders uh, hope. And man, I'll tell you what, the crowds took over and the momentum. And I have never heard galleries as loud as I heard that Sunday afternoon. Um, for every American birdie that went in and, and the love affair with Tiger was now just really getting going um, and watching him win his first um, Ryder Cup singles match was, was just, was just an incredible, incredible experience. But, well, and, uh, and Mike, you know, Mike, so let me interrupt you, but, um, but we, a lot of people uh, just know Justin Leonard as the golf commentator on TV. And uh, but uh, he made that incredible putt. You might remember. I don't know. It was like twenty-five foot putt, and I don't remember what. Oh, it was it longer was, than that. Okay. It was well, on tell tell us about yeah. Justin's twenty-five. Well, what did what did that putt mean? And uh, in the context of the event, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the you know the match at that point, he was playing against Jose Maria Olafable, and you know Olafable hit a shot in there, pretty you know. With, with very makeable birdie putt. And Justin hit his shot, and it looked like it was going to be very good. But back then, the golf balls were more just straight balada golf balls, and he spun it, and he zipped it back to about 40-some feet. Um, so he he had probably doubled the distance, so he had to putt first. And, you know, their match was, uh, was even, and um, 
you know, it was looking a little bleak at this point, you know, thinking Jose Maria Thabo has a very makeable putt and, you know, we're hoping he can just get down in two. And when Justin first hit the putt, you know, everybody thought that thing's going to go way past the hole, but it hit dead center, popped up in the air and dropped right in. And <laughs> he went into a, like a touchdown dance at that point, running across right. the greens and the players it got caught up in the emotion themselves and they ran on top of the green and Jose Maria Fabel still had a chance to make a putt. <laughs> and, right. and so we've been criticized uh, by the European contingent as not really practicing good sportsmanship at that moment in time. But yeah, again, yeah, yeah. they got to say something, clear... Mike, they got to say something. They're always, they got to say something. You know what? It's in your face, brother. They they do that stuff. They do that stuff all the time, but it's never them. Yep, it's always the, you know, it's always their narrative. God, I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what a lot of people forget is Olaf Fabel, he just missed that birdie putt, but he turned right around and birdied 18 um to basically have that hole or to have that match. So Justin Leonard didn't win that match. He tied that match, but it was one of the most important half points we could have ever had. But that's what ensured that we were, would win the Ryder cup. And my good buddy, Payne Stewart then had to finish out his match because he was playing behind that match as the final match of the day with Colin Montgomery. And, uh, and yeah, but the, the celebration started because of what Justin did and what was able to do then at 18, it was all official at that point. Yeah. All right. Well, well, Mike, one other thing before you go, are you a little bit concerned about the U.S. team chemistry this year? You've got, uh, you know, you've got uh, Bryson, a very polarizing figure. Now, not only does Brooks doesn't like him, now Cantlay, he he aggravated Cantlay the other day during their uh, uh, legendary six-hole playoff when, or actually before that, before they were on the 14th hole and Cantlay was walking, I guess, while Brooks was, uh, while uh, Bryson was getting ready to hit his shot. And they said, could you, and Bryson said, could you stop walking, Patrick? And that's sort of like, that's another thing, <laughs> you know, another thing that, that, that uh, you know, that, that Bryson's an alienated from another player on the team. So what do you make of this? Poor Steve Stricker, the nicest guy in the world. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got his work cut out for him, as does his assistants. But I honestly think that the Ryder Cup could be the best thing that ever happens to Bryson and to Brooks and to help mend some fences. Um, Brooks has agreed that, you know, for this week they're going to put everything to the side. But my hope is that this event basically helps their relationship going forward. Um, It may not, but at the same time, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, maybe if you see Brooks and Bryson put together, you never know. Um, But chances are they probably won't. But at the same time, (laughs) no, but at the same time, Stricker will do, the the, the team respects him like no other. And I think he is going to be a fantastic, fantastic strategist, you know, captain and overall psychologist for this team, Um, you know, and, you know, you wonder what this team would be like if Tiger was playing, Um, you know, because he also brings another dimension to, to the team that uh, especially in his later years of playing that I think he's more relatable to the players and certainly to the younger players who grew up, you know, 
you know, worshiping him as they were junior yeah. golfers. But I agree, at the Mike. Same time, he, he could he could bring order to that chaos. I I agree with that. He, because there's so much yeah, respect absolutely. in the room for him. Well, Mike, uh, we could do this all hour, and uh, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Listen, we, we, we are way late, but uh, it's been a uh, wonderful conversation about the Ryder Cup, and we're looking forward to it a few weeks from now, and appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, guys, and have a great Saturday. Thanks. Mike. You too. That's Mike Gilligan from the Chicago District Golf Association, the Senior Director of Business Development, former Ryder Cup Tournament Director, Ryder Cup a few weeks from now, and uh, as I mentioned, we are terribly late for a break. We will do that now, and before we're out of here at the top of the hour, we will talk to Tim Morris from NBC Sports Chicago. He's got a new show coming out uh, featuring golf, of course, and uh, we'll talk to Tim in a bit right here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score. Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito here with you. Uh, and Barry, uh, great discussion right there with uh, with Mike Gilligan uh, from the CDGA, uh, former Ryder Cup tournament director. Uh, and, and I love how he says he's kind of led the uh, the charmed life, and he's gotten to do a lot of a lot of things uh, in a very Forrest Gump esque fashion. Right, he's is in the right place at the right time for for a lot of things. But uh, boy, the excitement for the Ryder Cup is certainly there, and uh, I know. Uh, if there's if there's ever a drama, right? I mean, Steve Stricker, as you call him, the nicest guy in the world. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, be picking this team, and that uh, may have some controversy. I don't think it will, but I'm sure Stricker will will uh, uh, have his picks explained uh, thoroughly, right? 
Oh, for sure he will. Um, yeah, he will. Mike, you know, you have a, he's he's blessed. I mean, he's doing something, he d- did something that he truly loved. And, uh, but I mean, th- that's hard work. That's not sitting around uh, in the corner office and uh, and, sure. and hosting uh, you know, corporate guests. I mean, he's out there with the, with the portalettes and the, uh, and the, uh, d- uh, the, you know, directing the, where the bleachers are supposed to be built and everything, everything in between. So yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, Stricker's going to have um, his hands full, Picking the picking the uh, uh, beyond the top eight, uh, uh, or uh, will, they'll he'll have a little bit of a challenge, but um, um, I, you know I, I think it'll be good. And it's interesting. Mike was at uh, Kiowa in 1999, which is a Pete mm-hmm. Dye course, and very similar to Whistling Straits, uh, which is not on an ocean. But it's on the next best uh, thing to an ocean, which is uh, Lake Michigan. And um, uh, Lake Michigan in September uh, can be volatile. I think we can have wind. Um, And uh, so we're going to have a really interesting Ryder Cup. It's a peat dye golf course. It's going to present a lot of visual challenges to the players, just as Kiowa did back in 91. And uh, I'm really excited to see it, Mike. It's going to be tremendous. Great to have it back in the Midwest. Absolutely, Barry, and, and I'm excited, and we talked about it earlier in the show. You know, you're, you're not going to get much drama from Morikawa, DJ, and, and Justin Thomas, uh, but, uh, you know, Brooksy and Bryson, and, and now they throw Cantlay into the mix after the BMW. It's uh, it's going to be fun just for that, I mean, just to watch it. And, you know, they've all said, hey, we're going to put all this stuff aside uh, for the sake of the Ryder Cup, but it's still going to be awfully fun to watch, I think, anyway. Well, they better because uh, they're going to have uh, they're going to have their they're going to have their hands full. Um, the U.S. Uh, Ryder Cup uh, team has lost, uh, n- I think, nine of the last eleven, uh, which is pretty bad. And um, yeah. you know, they the European team is. Um, you know, we don't we don't think of them as being that great because we don't see them play unless you're up early in the morning watching the European Tour on Golf Channel, which you know, I mean, you got to get pretty early. But they still have uh, some solid players on this team. They're led by John Rahm, uh, McElroy is on the team, of course. Yep. Terrell Hatton from England, uh, and Tommy Fleetwood, who has had sort of a so-so season on the PGA Tour. Uh, those are f- uh, for their key guys, and yeah. um, and they it's, only get uh, uh, their captain only gets three captains picks. But you think a guy like Victor Hovland is going to be on the team? He's fantastic. Paul Casey sure. uh, has played great all year, uh, and, uh, and Lee it's Westwood, gonna, who played who's played great all year. Yeah, it's it's going to be great fun to watch, and uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, when we come back, Barry, we'll talk uh, to Tim Morris. Tim. Uh, Chicago native, uh, son of Johnny and Jeannie Morris. Uh, you certainly know him from uh, sports media around Chicago. He's the producer of a show called Member Skills Challenge Championship. Uh, it is an exciting new golf show that airs on NBC Sports Chicago. We'll talk to Tim about the show next here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score. And we are back on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here with you. Last segment of the day for us, and we head on out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. 
Uh, new show coming up on NBC Sports Chicago called the Member Skills Challenge Championship and producer and uh, friend of Chicago. And uh, you certainly know Tim Morris, our guest, joins us on the scorecard. Hey, Tim, good morning. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good morning, Tim. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, just for the benefit of our listeners who, who've heard the name Tim Morris uh, in the past, uh, Tim is the uh, proud son of Johnny Morris, uh, Bears legend. We used to call him a flanker back uh, back in the day when he was playing in the 60s. And uh, and his late mother, the great Jeannie Morris, a pioneering uh, female sports broadcaster, uh, not only in Chicago, but I think uh, nationally. So a uh, great lady. So uh, you come from good stock, Tim. And uh, and uh, the other thing is you are you worked, God, back in the day, you worked at the old Sports Channel, if people remember, uh, which is now, uh, after 10 name changes, NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, well, they have a long history there. And they, I think back in the 80s, you know, they first started, and <clears throat> I think I dipped my toe in a little, little freelance reporting then. And, um, and then again, uh, back there, like from 99 to 2001, when they were Fox Sports Net, and as you said, then they were Comcast Sports Net and NBC Sports Chicago. So yeah, all of us sort of have dipped our toes in different broadcast realm over the years in Chicago sports, and it's been a great place to be. And now you and now you have a show that I've seen. I I was watching. Um, White Sox post game with Ozzy and Frank it was just such a fun watch, especially when they win or or lose. Um, and then right afterwards, here's Members Skills Challenge Championship, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's this? <laughs> and and then I see this guy. T- hey, I'm Tim Morris, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know Tim Morris, and uh, and there you are, and I'm like, what in the world is this about? So uh, for other people, and I'm sure I'm not alone in having this experience seeing this show. So tell everybody what it is because it comes on late at night, and I don't know, I don't know if people stick through the whole thing or what but uh, tell us what's going on on that show yeah well we've been fortunate obviously the Sox are playing so well um, and there's been a large audience and we're getting a lot of great feedback from it but basically it's called the Member Skills Challenge Championship and Dan Lafferty and I my business partner who I met actually at Fox Sports Net back in the year, years ago some 20 years ago for 20 years now I've been in sort of the golf television production business and primarily doing this sort of niche stuff where we go to high-end private events, sometimes corporate pro-am events, PGA Tour uh, pro-ams, things like that. And we produce sort of highlight shows um, with regular people playing golf. And then we do it on-site and present it that night. So you get like sort of ESPN Sports Center uh, meets your event um, and, you know, it entertains you that night in a big screen presentation. So that's what we've been doing for 18 or 20 years. And we've been sort of dreaming up a different way to, to do what we've been doing, which is basically taking maybe – making good TV out of maybe not so good golf or or at least certainly not great golf is sort of our background. And so we've been talking for years about doing a a skills challenge championship. And, you know, it's sort of a a la big break. I'm sure obviously your, your golf fans here understand and saw big break when it was on the golf channel for many years, that would be the closest comparison, but it's a local show. This is what we're starting with. And we're having country clubs playing against each other. So this year it's six clubs. We launched it with six clubs River Forest, Twin Orchard, Inverness, Crystal Tree, Kankakee, and Strawberry Creek. Um, and each of them has their own sort of qualifying event. So 16 players at your club, four teams of four, three men and a woman, challenge up, face each other 
to, to advance. And we came up with these really cool sort of eye candy skills challenges that are, you know, fascinating, good tests of golf, compelling to watch and fun. And I think that's sort of the appeal of the show is seeing sort of regular people taking on these golf challenges that you can kind of relate to. And as you watch it, you kind of want to do it yourself and see like, Hey, I could do better than that guy. But what, what they are is the target challenge. So we have these eight foot wooden targets that are 40, 50, 60 and 80 yards. And then we have the survivor putting challenge where we build these, um, these around three, four, five and seven foot um, around four different holes on a putting green. And we have a, a little format where they compete at those distances. And then the power grid challenge, which is on a hole where we actually build a grid that starts at 150 yards with, 10 yards across lines all the way out to 300. And we have like a structured scoring format for that. And these people compete at these country clubs. We do a half hour show for each one of those clubs. There was a half hour qualifying show where they're, they compete against each other and a winning team of four emerges out of that. And that's, what's been airing uh, this week. Chris, we, Crystal tree was this week. Um, and uh, I think twin orchard is going to start um, after the Sox tonight. Um, and then that will air all of next week. So it's just kind of a cool show when you see it. Uh, you see regular people sort of getting a chance to compete sort of in the spotlight, like PGA Tour pros, you know, and see how their games <laughs> hold up under that mm. pressure. And, and uh, it, sometimes they hold up really well and sometimes not so well, which is also kind of interesting. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, um, I remember when uh, uh, Channel 7 used to do the uh, – Mark Greco would be out there with uh, Tracy Butler, and they'd have the – they'd have the uh, all the celebrities out there run around hitting golf balls around. And, and it was kind of fun to watch at 1030 on Sunday night. Anyway, but, uh, but I'm wondering uh, – and maybe you don't know the answer to this – the appetite for people to watch, you know, non-celebrity average golfers – do this. I, I and I and I don't know the answer. And I, I don't say that it's. I don't say that. Oh, I would never watch that. I because I think people w- might watch it. That look at all the other stuff that's on TV that people watch. Well, I think you know that's the key to it. Really, is you know our philosophy on everything we do is like if you get people vested in in the characters, in the people. Right. You know, think 100%. about reality shows and how people right. watch reality shows. They don't know who those people are. So you gain sort of a rooting interest in it, no matter how good the quality of it is, you know? I mean, uh, sort of the Rune Arledge School of Television Producing, if you go way back to Wide World of Sports, like, why do you care about a shot putter, you know, from Uzbekistan? Well, because they would go do a feature in his village, and you would get to know who that guy was, and his mother is rooting for him, and where he came from, and then all of a sudden you care whether he can throw the shot put. So um, extrapolating that out into something that is completely different, which is golf, is... You know, these shows are driven a lot by personality. So, like, we sit down with every of those 16 players and we talk to them and we try and get little rivalries. And who are you? And, and is there, do, you, do you have nicknames? And you like this guy or you don't like that guy? Or why do you want to beat that guy? So, throughout the show, it isn't just like watching people compete. We, we think the audience gets vested in, in it because they get interested in the characters in it. And um, that's sort of our philosophy in producing it. And so far, the feedback, the feedback has been great. I mean, I know people look at it sometimes and they go, Jeez, that's not very good. I mean, most of these players are pretty good. I mean, everybody, most of the players are single-digit handicaps. You know, occasionally you'll get somebody who'll shank one or something. So it's not horrible. But there are bad shots out there. Um, but it almost doesn't matter because you relate to what you're watching. You go, I really wish I could do that. And part of it is, like, I could do better than that guy. That becomes mm-hmm. why you're interested in it because you kind of feel like you'd like to try it. So 
again, it was a bit of a roll of the dice. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago um, sort of took a chance on it. They know we've produced a lot of shows for them over the years, and, and uh, it's getting a lot of great feedback from people so far. So, you know, we're still fine-tuning it, too, and we hope to, you know, to build this thing and grow it out. I mean, the Skills Challenge Championship, I mean, we're, we've talked about the idea of opening it up to the public and having people pay or some kind of an entry fee or some kind of a qualifying tournament so people in the broader public can uh, can join in. And, you know, we've got one of the great things about it, too, is that PXG is our title sponsor. You guys are obviously familiar with that brand. It's one of the coolest and fastest-growing brands in golf, and they have tremendous products. And these guys, it probably wouldn't have happened without them. They've really embraced this concept. They're our title sponsors. And the winners of the whole thing get a full 14-club bag of PXGs, like Gen 4 Irons, top line clubs. That's probably a five dollars $6,000 value for each one of them. And every one of the qualifying events, they get putters um, and free you know, fitting at the, the Northbrook store. So um, that's been a big part of it, too, is if you, you, know, you know, there's prizes involved, you're playing for something, and you're playing sort of under that pressure, you know, how are you going to hold up with cameras and knowing that you're going to be interviewed right afterwards. Uh, but uh, like I said, we've got a lot of positive feedback so far. Talking with uh, Tim Morris, uh, the show is called Member Skills Challenge Championship, airs on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, Tim, I'm going to guess uh, being on TV and free golf swag is probably uh, pretty appealing to the uh, to the contestants there. But it's great because, as you said, it's not it is based on golf, but it's not necessarily a show completely about golf. Like my wife, who could care less about golf, would probably watch this because you would then get invested in in the, the people. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. My daughter, who is 14 now, um, we shot the pilot last year at River Forest, and it just came on because there's a bunch of re-airs, too. And she started to watch it, and she just she doesn't play golf. She knows nothing about golf. And she started watching it, and she kept watching it. And I was just watching her because I, I'm at this point still trying to gauge, particularly last year, like, how much interest will there be in this? And... <laughs> She, she was laughing, and um, there was a woman in there who was a big character, and she's, I'm like, why do you like this? And she's like, I, I like that woman. I want her to win. So to me, that was wow. you know, the great sort of justification, vindication um, of, of the concept, like that somebody who doesn't know golf, and she doesn't care whether I'm on the show or not, and, and, but she just kind of got vested in the competition uh, despite the fact that it, maybe it wasn't great golf because she cared about a character. So that's what we hope is happening. And I think as we build this out, one thing we've learned this year is we need to get even more of that in there. There's a lot of golf shots in it. There's a lot of swings. And if I was to criticize it myself in any way, it's just that it moves pretty quickly because we have three skills competitions. And then the, the, lead, the two leading point getters then face, each, face off in a shootout where they play a more of a stroke play in the championship. So there's a lot of golf in it. It's kind of crammed in there and it moves really quickly, which I think is, is good and bad in a way. But like I said, we really want this show to be appealing on a, from a human standpoint and introduce the game of golf to people and introduce these fun skills challenges to people. Um, and I think it goes a long way towards, you know, um, be appealing to people that aren't necessarily golf people, you know, because, you get it. Like whether whether you're a golfer or not, when you see a big giant eight foot target with PXG on it, and you people swinging and then throwing their clubs in the air, you get what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you see a grid yeah. that goes out, this cool grid in the drone shot of it over this fairway, and you see a ball just roll out and a guy get all frustrated, like you get it. He's just trying to hit it in the grid as far as he can. So the simplicity of it, 
and sort of the eye candy appeal of it um, are, are part of the way, part of the appeal of it, I think. So, so Tim, um, how do you how do you get country clubs interested in doing this? Um, you know, to me, that might be it might be a little tough to get. Uh, you know, Chicago Golf versus Glenview Club, the two oldest 18-hole courses in the uh, in in the Chicago area. That would be pretty cool. I mean, there's a certain what I, what I mean is the ex- super exclusive clubs. They're probably not going to do it. But um, how do you get clubs interested? Well, that was you know part of the challenge too. Is like figuring out what the appeal was, and really what we learned through the process. And just like you guys know this, every country club sort of has its own personalities. There's certain ones. Um, first of all, we want to go in with nice clubs, right? We're, we want these to be good clubs. We want to promote them, make them look good, promote golf, promote country club golf. So we started with a, a relatively limited list. But clubs have certain personalities, and there's certain ones you're just not going to go to because they just have, a, you know, they're just a, maybe a super old traditional club with a real old membership. You know, God bless them. They're just not probably not going to be interested in that. Certain ones aren't just aren't going to be interested in it. But other ones are. And there's a, a large percentage of them that are. And, you know, as you guys know, uh, anybody who's a country club member, there's a certain kind of event that they do all the time. They usually have a, a member guest and a club championship and a member member. And, you know, and they're all similar formats ac- across clubs. So our, our thing was, listen, we're offering you an experience. Like uh, your members get to do something really cool. And, and that was a big part of our design is like we don't want this to be a really complicated long shoot day where, you know, people are sitting around and waiting to recast sets and everything. We have to, you know, we're used to doing things quick, quickly, as I said, for these on-site show productions. Like, we can put together a TV show pretty quickly. So we wanted the experience to be good. So there's not a lot of sit-around time. So these people come in. They come, arrive at 8.30 in the morning. They're done by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're all involved in the competition. And they're all shooting all day long. And they're getting interviewed. And they're showcasing their club. So we felt like we were offering an experience, a new kind of experience to these guys. You know, a lot of these people have a lot of money. They play the greatest golf club in the world. They play everybody's member guest. So what can you give them different? And certain clubs, many of these clubs immediately were like, yes, we want to do this. And they threw it out there and people were like, yes, we want to do this. Because essentially we play against each other. We play other clubs already. Let's just do this in a different way. Let's, let, let's, let's amp this thing up. Let's, let's let people see it. Uh, and then they have a watch party when the thing airs uh, on TV, and it's just a new experience. So that was kind of our approach. Also, PXG obviously helps to be able to have cool prizes. Everybody wants those. Well, not everybody, maybe, but most everybody would be interested hmm. in that full set of PXG clubs. Um, so we're offering an experience, and certain clubs just snap it right up. Other ones probably just aren't ever going to be interested in it. And that was part of the, from a marketing sales standpoint, was like figuring out what the landscape is. But we didn't have too much trouble. PXG helped us with it. And um, there was a lot of clubs that immediately jumped on. We could have done eight. You know, um, I think next year, I mean, every single club we've been to this year has said, we're coming back next year for sure, which is wow. validation cool. again hmm. that the experience was fun uh, for them. So I think um, – it has a lot of great potential, and we're just figuring out now, hopefully, you know, what the best way to sort of build this thing out, get more people involved, make it bigger, make the stakes a little bit higher, um, and, and do some more maybe around the country and then again here next year. Well, Tim, uh, it sounds like everything is going great. Uh, the show is excellent, and uh, we wish you uh, much success with it. It's called Member Skills Challenge Championship. 
can find it uh, on NBC Sports Chicago. As you mentioned, there are a lot of re-airs, so certainly uh, available for, for our listening audience to check out. Uh, and it's been great talking with you. Continued success with the show. Hey, thanks. I can't tell you who won it, but we shot the final yesterday at Olympia Fields, and it went down to the very last putt. Um, wow. Wow. And wow. <laughs> so there was high drama. There's lots of overtime, uh, and there's huge disappointment and huge elation. So uh, if you do start watching – you got something to look forward we, to, uh, Brian Morris. Another thing I got. That's another folks. thing I got a DVR, man. Another thing I got a DVR. <laughs> we we love the tease. Yeah, we. More about it. At GoTV. Uh, GoTVEntertainment.com is our our company website. GoTV. GoTVEntertainment.com. Got it. And we appreciate the you, uh, the Tim. tease. Thank you, Tim Morris uh, from the Member Skills Challenge Championship producer of the show on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, we are thanks, out of guys. time, my friend. Uh, Barry, we are done uh, for the day. And uh, thanks to our guests. Uh, we just heard from Tim Morris, Mike Gilligan from the CDGA, Chris Gumbach from River Forest Country Club, and Steve Kois, uh, uh Wheaton uh, long drive competitor. Uh, competing at Cog Hill. So we appreciate everybody's time this morning. Uh, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski is next. It's Barry Cronin. I'm Mike Esposito right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.